Before we start today's podcast, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Second Citizens podcast and ask a favor of you if you have a second. Give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever your streaming platform of choice is. I know you're saying, wait, I have to give you a five-star rating? Well, I mean, that would be nice, but I'll make you a deal. You give us the five-star rating and then really say anything you like in the review. Be as mean as you can. I I don't mind. I can take it. And it'd be worth it for that five-star review. And now, our episode. Even semi-regular listeners to our pod know what a landmark event the 50th anniversary show was for the Second City. And if you know that, you've likely heard me joke about my lament over quitting right before that show. Ha ha ha. Funny joke. I still don't have a manager. But after doing four shows on the main drain, it was time. Now, luckily, today I am going to find out exactly what I missed from our guest, Andy St. Clair. Now, before joining the main stage for the 50th anniversary show... Andy had worked for four directors to write five shows in the ETC. Loyal listeners know my penchant for mentioning Second City Records and statistics, and I believe this is at least tied for the ETC record. Now, unfortunately, finding Second City Records is like looking for Negro League records, which is also kind of ironic for obvious reasons that we've discussed of the history of the show. But according to my calculations, five shows on the ETC is the record. And... Since we're going into the sports analogies, and because Andy is tall, I'd like to discuss his time at the Second City in a way that I'm sure we can all understand by using the metaphor of professional basketball in the 1970s. Now, the ETC theater has always been considered the less buttoned-up counterpart to the main stage, less about the structure and convention, and more freewheeling and fun. Not unlike the ABA, the successful counterpart to the NBA that existed from the mid-60s to the mid-70s. Many Hall of Fame players started in the ABA before joining the NBA when it was absorbed by the league. I tried to look for a basketball comp for Andy amongst ABA players, and this obviously led me down a rabbit hole that took a really long time, uh, and I'll spare you most of the details of, other than to say Artis Gilmore, Dr. J, and the lesser-known Mel Daniels were the best comps that I could uh, come up with. But now back to Andy, who I suspect would not have done another ETC show after his five-show run there, but was intrigued by the main stage opportunity, even regardless of it being the 50th anniversary show. And so, not unlike Bill Walton joining the 86 Celtics for their championship run, Andy took the leap and threw himself into what surely was one of the most pressure-filled processes and impactful shows in the history of the theater. And while I could continue to draw parallels to George McGinnis and George Gervin, I think it's better to end the intro and turn our attention to Andy St. Clair. Welcome. Wow. Joe, that was great. Oh, thank you. I love anything that says me in a record. Well, I, I mean, love it. and, and, and I'm, I'm a little consumed with that. Like mm-hmm. I had Angela Shelton on and sure. again, then I do a little bit of research. The research for you is you sending me the email. Sure. Still, <laughs> still, you, still, you're doing it. Still. <laughs> and in that, I mean, she is like, mm-hmm. she's just across, you know, sh- big shows in Toronto, right. starting Detroit. Right. ETC, main state, like... I didn't, you didn't even count the one, the show I wrote in Vegas. And Vegas, and that's right? the other thing that comes in, like, 
But the, I can explain what some of those. I can explain sure. the, the speed of those shows or why. I, I and we'll so get much. into that yeah. because you and I are contemporaries of that time right. because we started on those stages around the same time. Yeah. I and think you were a little ahead of me, right? Yes, it's probably like. That's what helped we, me. It's we wrote one of the, the first shows. Yeah. We were, I wrote my first show, and then you probably, you know, they stagger the shows. So right. the ETC, if if they have a show running, then the main will start their process. Mm-hmm. So I think my process started and my show ran. Then when the next process in ETC started, you probably came in. Right. Either way, within right. a year or so, we, we were at the same place running these subsequent right. shows. And so that means everybody's at the bars at the same time and everything. Uh, and so, yeah, you really are kind of like running sure. parallel with one another. And and that's what we'll do. We'll go back through all that. And, and you were nodding when I... Because mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Like, if there was a stage beyond the main stage after I had done the four shows, right. I might have tried that. Right. But that's what L.A. ends up being, right, you know? Right, That's the next stage. But if I had been on the ETC and throughout episodes of this, everybody, no matter which stage they were on, whether it be both, one or the other, right. everybody goes ETC is the better gig. It's the better gig, for <laughs> and, sure. And, yeah, but, but, but main stage is Yankee Stadium. And you are, and, and, and you I know? think... You know, your time at Second City right. really encapsulates kind of that journey where ETC is fun enough to keep you there for five shows. Right. And, of course, some of those shows ran quickly, which we'll get into. Yeah. But you want that shot. And right. I think even if it wasn't the 50th anniversary show, and maybe even if it wasn't McNapier, who I think is someone you probably wanted to work with, too. For sure. The main stage well, has its always, own appeal. Yeah, there's always, you know, and I, Kelly Leonard once, I think it was Kelly. I'm just going to Probably Kelly. was. But I think he one time told me, like, that joke works for ETC, but that joke wouldn't work for the main stage. Yes. And I was like, nah, I don't I don't know. Yes. You know, like, I, don't, I, don't, I never enjoyed that sort of right. argument because I'm like, a funny scene's probably going to be and, a funny and, scene. And if you room. look at the number of people who did shows in both, right. it's not like they changed their comedy no, no. from one stage to the next. Right. Khaki was khaki in the ETC, and he was khaki on the main stage. So, right. And that's probably something someone told Kelly. Well, you know, that, yeah, probably. <laughs> Ask him. You know, there was a scene I did in one of the shows where, in the third show, I think it was a campaign, where I would scare people in the audience. The room's very yes, small. Yes, And it's very dark in there. So that was helpful. But I still believed I could have scared people in the main stage. Oh, it wasn't, absolutely. It wasn't like that room was so big. It was unscarable. No, that room there has more opportunities to do that. And that's probably right. where the differences lie, probably. is in the, the actual physical spaces and the right. way you present to the audience. Right. That really does have a lot of influence in kind of the things you can do mm-hmm. amongst the audience and the and the the closeness of the audience in the ETC creates, I think, more of an intimacy at yeah. some points uh, than than on the main stage. I mean, it, it takes them like twenty minutes to get over the fact that they didn't get main stage tickets, right? You know, <laughs> when they're mad, yes. when they're mad, they're like, "Well, I guess we're seeing the B team." Sometimes, <laughs> because I think again, and this is something that that we. Uh, you did five shows on the ETC. Mm-hmm. I did four on the main stage. And I've said this to everybody. If you've done... With three, you might get away with it. Mm-hmm. But if you've done four shows at Second City, you've done a really good show, and you've done a bad show. Right. Oh, There's yeah. just no way that oh, four shows sure. in a row, you don't you don't hit that, that combo. Sure. And it's kind of good to know the difference. Right. People also like you, and they didn't like you. Yes, within, right. Because there was one show during the, the show of mine that was not maybe my favorite of the, the four, sure. the ETC show, actually, and I forget what the name, that had a good review and right. was going. So in, there are times right. over the course of Second City's history where that flips, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but just based on 
the way it's presented and the way they sell the tickets right. and the way the populace kind of understand Second City, right. you're right. You have an audience that's like, all right, let's see what we got. I mean, we tried to get walk-up tickets here, and, yes. and the only thing that was available was the ETC. Right. You know, and they're like, Ugh, okay. You know, it's like I, I saw a Yankees minor league game that Robinson Cano was in mm. when I, on, on tour once. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know he was Robbie Cano. Yeah. And so I was watching a minor league game. You know right, what I mean? Right, like right. I didn't understand sure. uh, just because in my mind, the talent was all there yeah. and everything, but the, it was early or Yankees. whatever. No. And this is a different, you know, that analogy. Right. So let's get back to okay. the biography of okay. your years uh, in Chicago. Uh, you moved there from Missouri, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Right out of college. I moved there at age 23. Moved up there to Chicago to start. Went to the University of Missouri. I went to Missouri State. I should have went to the university. I My parents went there. My grandpa went there. My grandpa worked there. He was a janitor I thought there. you went there. No, I, I did. My After my freshman year, I applied, got accepted. I was going to go to Mizzou. But I, was, I wasn't I was making great decisions at 18, 19. There, <laughs> was a, there was a girl I was dating at that time who went to Mizzou who was is very nice. But I was like, if I go to Missouri. Am I going to have to marry this woman? Correct. <laughs> and so I chose not to go to Mizzou. Now, my whole family, my grandparents lived there. I would go to the university you 18 fan. yes the 18 years of my life i spent most of my time at the university yeah. and i and i just decided this girl wasn't worth marrying and that and i didn't want to go to the university still rude for missouri sure still have family there in town you know uh but i didn't go so i went to missouri state Got which it. was further away from it was like another three hours from the university. A lot of a so, lot of years later in, in, in examining it, you've come to some conclusions. I, I've always thought that was probably one of my worst mistakes. And I've made a lot of bad mistakes. I should have just gone to Missouri and then just broken up with her. It's really well, that easy. But you don't think that way. I you mean, don't. I did all kinds of stuff related to college. I the, I went to my safety school, which was the only school I didn't visit. Yeah. Didn't sight unseen, went right. to the biggest concrete structure, poured concrete structure in the United States, which Translates to ugliest college campus oh, in the sure. United States. Sure. Uh, I think they encourage people to not visit SUNY Albany mm. because once you do, you don't go. Right. But yeah, that's yeah, not an age for good decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went. I went to the South. It was Southwest. Now it's Missouri State. Southwest. Oh, see now I remember Southwest Missouri yeah. State. Yeah, which I think uh, the famous alumni at the time were like, I want to say Kathleen Turner and maybe Ooh. John Goodman. And okay. And I met Goodman once when I lived with a guy who Goodman dated his mom in high school. So when I, when Goodman came to campus once, he called our room. And he's still one of my very good friends. And Goodman came to our dorm room. And this was like 92, 93. This was like Roseanne uh, John Goodman. A height of John uh, big, Goodman. Babe Ruth John Goodman. Big, big John Goodman. Also party John Goodman. Yes. And it was people were lining up to come in and see John and yeah, I uh, think he, I think he got the part of Babe Ruth because of the partying. Yeah, he was doing it all, and he, we were drinking, and I was like eighteen, nineteen. I was like, this is the best, and John was great. And yeah. I remember one one of those years, he was we were going to come out to L.A. and sp- spend our spring break at John Goodman's house, and then ultimately uh, John was. We said that to John at the time, you know. And John's like, sure. And then when we kind of bring it up again, John never returned. No, no, I do not want college kids in no, L.A. I'm, no. I can party there. Yeah, but not. So I, I moved out of college. I, I decided I did graduate degree with a, a BFA in acting and I didn't know really what I do, wanted to do. So a friend of mine who was going to move up to Chicago, we were going to start a, a theater, like a, a real theater, which Chicago does not need. 
by the no, way. No, but has pl- well, what Chicago has plenty of, so you might think there's right. a need, but they've got but plenty they got of plenty of them. So I moved up first around the July fourth ish. I spent like a 96? month. Ninety six. Ninety eight. Okay. Ninety eight. I spent like a month, uh, a month in Missouri, just hanging out, and then, um, and I moved up, and my friend did not move up for. He told me when I got up here, he was like, in Chicago, he was like, you know, I'm gonna take a year. Now, the end of this story is he lives in Chicago, works at a theater. He runs a very great theater, has a great time. He's basically doing what we said we were doing. Right. It just took him a few years to get up there. Which he told you after you already had I'd already up moved there. up. So, and we were going to like write plays sure. and act. We were going to like, like, you know, I don't know what we were going to do. But whatever it was going to be, it was going to be the two of you doing it. Together right in a theater yes. that we were yes. creating. So he didn't come. And I, and I had never been to Chicago. I guess I'd been to Chicago once, but for like a day or two. And so I had no idea where I was going to live. My parents and I, we got a U-Haul, attached it to our minivan or whatever it was, drove to Chicago, and we had a weekend to get a place, and they were going to leave me there. And I had not really, I didn't really know Chicago at all, so I chose to live in an area that I thought was the safest, right, which was Wrigleyville. Because I was like, the Cubs are there. Yeah, right. This right. is my assumption. The Cubs are there. How bad? It's a stadium. Yeah, right. How it, it's a, be? To be fair, mm-hmm. it's not the worst neighborhood. Not the worst. Probably not even as bad as moving close to Comiskey. Correct. It, that would have been worse. It would have been worse. So I moved. I lived on a little street in a little studio. I mean, it was like I call it a suicide box because right. that's really what it was. It Windows. Was, Maybe one, right? Maybe, but it was like living room, kitchen, bath. You could see it all in, with just turning your and head. Efficiency, a bit. yeah, is what they would. And call it was that. right off Pine Grove, which Pine oh, Grove sure. is a street, you know, close. Bob re- Callahan lived on Pine Grove, very I know very close well. to the water there. Um, so I I moved into there, and my first month in Chicago, I you know I was on my I didn't know anybody, and my I was just kind of on my own. Yeah, and I was just telling Alex Fenderich's story recently. Uh, was when I got there. Uh, I was at a bar or something by myself drinking and some guy, or I went outside and some, like, I would call him homeless, but he was a distraught gentleman. And this is how I kind of knew I was to Chicago, came up to me and he, now looking back, he was, I would call him rugged, you know, weather, weathered, weathered. And he came to me, he's like, Hey man, I need some money for some diapers. And I was like, okay. And he was like, get in the car with me and I will drive you you will go with me to go get diapered. And I was like, okay. So I got in the car with this man in Chicago <laughs> in my first month. He drove me somewhere. You I couldn't even tell dead. you. I don't even know where he drove me. I bought him diapers and he, he goes, thanks man. And that, and then I found my way back home and that was it. That, but that's how like naive I was. Yes. I was just like, this sounds great. I'll buy you diapers. I will help you out. <laughs> And he dropped me off, and then he was just, like, very kind. He was like, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks he a lot. He probably didn't think it was going to go like that. No, I think he thought I would fight him about it. And yes. I was just like, let's do it. And that, Yes, I, and. I was, yeah, I didn't even know I was doing it. Yes, and. Right. You did so, it before you even knew improv. So then from from there, I, I was bored after a month, and I lived. I.O. was, like, up the street. Yep. Up the street. So I walked, and I... Only thing I really saw was the word theater. I saw mm. Improv Olympic. I was like, okay, whatever. I walked in one day randomly. And at that time, you know, the internet was not as booming as it is. You had to sign in in person. Yes. You had to take a check there yes. in person. So I walked into the theater and there was a huge desk, right? You know, you remember the old theater. Sure. You know, right by the box office. Oh, yeah. And there was a desk there. Oh, well, yes. And John, uh, John Mulaney, uh, Mulaney was there. 
not, not Mulaney, gosh. I, Mulhern. Mulhern, thank you. Mulhern was there. And uh, Ponytail, yeah. similar to what I got going right now. Pony, and he was like, are you here to register for classes? And I said, no. And I didn't even know what it was. And I, so I, then I left. I go home. So you walked in mm-hmm. when they were taking registrations, just again, randomly. coincidentally. Yeah, yep. randomly. I just assumed I would, I didn't, I just wanted to see the theater. Right, That's right. All. What's the theater here look like? Right. And I said, no. And I walked out and I called my mom. And I and she was she was very worried obviously because I, I was alone and, and I probably I was working like a phone job you know like I was one of those people did manpower or something and I got was a doing job shitty that. things yeah and uh, and she was like do you want I was like well this guy I walked into this class and this guy asked me if I wanted to take a class there and it was like two hundred bucks or something like that yep. and uh, she was like I, I will give you two hundred dollars just take one class there. yeah and 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 so I was like okay so I then. I don't know if she ever gave me the money. I don't remember how you get got money <laughs> right. at that time. It had to be a check mailed to you or mailed, something. Mailed, right? Or she wired and probably complained. Go, like, right. it's a $50 wire for $200. <laughs> yes. But uh, so I did. And I took a class there. And in that class is when I ran into, like, Fendrich, who I did shows with sure. in Second City. Archibald, who toured, uh, Dave Hill, Pardo, Moore, Arnett, all those Which guys all became a class. team at I.O. And often that's mm-hmm. how it would happen is, you know, you got placed on a team with your contemporaries, right. which meant you went through classes with them. And really, again, a good model because these are people you already have a familiarity with and have probably, you know, done as much improv with them right. as anyone else. Well, and all those things, too. And it's in, when you're with Second City or I.O. or whatever you're doing, it's all I always think it's all kind of a series of breaks and lucky timing and just really. as you're talking about it like walking in there right because uh, there are some days you could have walked up to the theater and the door's locked right and maybe you walk past or there's and just nothing went. going on or Dell's teaching a right. class and yells at you to get out of there and you're like who the fuck is this old man right and and it has a totally different reaction for sure and so then for from there from taking that class right i took one class and at that time at io uh sharna you know i mean god she could have her own podcast but uh she, of course, was going through one of her phases where she did not like all the older teams, whatever oh, yes, that is. yes, yes, And so she had said, I am going to get rid of all the older teams, and I'm going to put together a brand new young group, or two, or three. Yeah. I was in her level one class. Sure. It was like me, Bobby Mort, all those guys. All the guys all from uh, People, People of Earth. Earth. In that class. After our first session of I.O. classes, she actually, this was the one time she actually held to her word. And she did it, and yeah. she put us in a class. So from there, I I, I got kind of hooked, right? I sure. was in the pyramid scheme, and 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 then that was you know I started class in August, so that's September October. Then at that time, uh, Peter Gwynn uh, was our coach, great uh, person, great coach, also in charge of making the schedule of teams at the time. Yeah. So probably had something to do with the purge as well. And, yes, an insane, an insane coach, by the way. That's a, a whole crazy other... Uh, he we, takes it very seriously, Very right? seriously. And we rehearsed for three hours for three years, for uh, once a week. I was doing classes and sh- and shows and rehearsal, three hours, you know, every week. You but, Because, I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. that's... Now we would spit on that, but mm-hmm. at the time, it was like another class. Yeah. And, and you're and, looking, and, and you'll do it at that point. 100%. And so he, you know, he was mad uh, because I... I believe he was mad is that like he did not get the main stage. I think and this is kind of what I remember. If yep. Gwen was here, he could say that's not sure, true. Sure, sure. 
But he didn't get the main stage. So he decided what what we were always told was he was going to create what he called like improv robots. And he was going to he was going to create these improv monsters of of men to just absolutely destroy and attack IO for some reason. I understand. And we were just young enough and dumb enough right. to be like I, I get you sure. know it's it's coach talking yeah. it's, uh, yes. So we followed, right? And we we followed. By the way, we used to in a rehearsal I've told the story before, but I, I we used to have in a, a Mora's apartment we would have ask Fendrichs. It's like we would have a board with a huge bullseye on it. One rehearsal, he made us go through the schedule and write teams and put their names in the rings of who we where th- they were where they were. And then when we would go out and find out when we had shows with them, when we were better than them, we would Check cross off. them off the list. Just crazy. You're not the only team that crazy. has operated like this. And and again. Improv Olympic, quote unquote, which became IO, right. started out as a competition between teams. Right. And the audience would vote. And mm-hmm. that was the genesis of the whole thing. That's what it started at. Now it's very far away from that to the point that people may not even realize. But Peter Gwynn at least observed some of those contests right. and knew that. And there was this, and we've talked about it all the time, kind of the the you know, the theater department type resentments. We all have this team, that sure. team. Uh, just yesterday I was texting with, uh, POB trying to get him on the show. And I'm not sure if he thinks he's too famous to be on or something, but even then he was on a team called the reckoning and they often purport themselves to be the longest running improv team in Chicago, which is not true because deep schwa, the team that I am on is still going running. Yeah. Yeah. So these petty things continue on into, into this. And, and it does not surprise me that, that he was that kind of he was it was aggressive maniacal it was about great it. and and I, I i appreciate everything now of course you know i wouldn't be i wouldn't have probably had any whatever successes without Gwyn. right because because again you can question a little bit of and and looking back of course it looks foolish that kind of intensity about right. it but what the intensity did whether the target was an irrational target you were aiming at right it did make all of you work towards a goal. Yes. I mean, this is, t- and For this sure. is standard sport, uh, like sports coach stuff of For like, sure. let's, let's unify against something, whether it's real or imagined and right. get everybody working harder than they would normally without this goal. Right. And which so was to destroy. Right. And that was Gwen. And we, we would have code words. I mean, it was just, it was insane, but Gwen. And so in December of that year, the, the show at second city, which I'd never seen a second city show was, and I always have this theory, which is not the, theory but it's always like the first show you see at second city is normally your favorite yeah right it imprints yes and the first show i saw was psychopath and which is uh, to me the greatest second city main stage show of all time but it's also the first one i ever saw right it, it, it blew my mind i think that show is definitely i mean <clears throat> i've seen a lot of shows yeah i also saw that one earlier yeah yeah, because i saw pinata but while it was coming out of pinata into sure. the next show so it wasn't complete I mean, I, I think that that ends up being a, a really good it's, first show to see. It's a great show. Is it the greatest main stage show? I have no idea. But it was for me, right? And so Gwen played Dorf's part. Yes. Dorf's a killer in that show. Yes. I mean, he's got a lot of funny lines. Like Absolutely. Like, pussy. He, he just yep. has tons and tons of funny lines. And Gwen was going in to understudy, and he basically invited whoever on People of Earth wanted to come see the show. He'd get us tickets, and we'd go see it. I didn't have any money, of course. I, yes. I had... I had started taking second class, which I should tell you about ah. in a minute. Uh, 
And uh, I went and saw it. And taking that, watching that show was probably more defining for me with Second City because then I understood what people were doing with IO and I understood it, right? Yep. And I understood what was happening at those late Sunday night shows and it helped me, it helped process it. It helped marry the two. Yes, yes. And it, and it maybe gave you a different goal. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I think you're so right about seeing the first show because right. I took classes at Second City for like a year. Mm-hmm. Could have gone to all these sets that Carell and sure. Colbert were in when I started, damn it. Didn't. Right. And then years later, you know, three years later or something, I go and see a show. And that's when Second City, even after paying them all the money for the classes, that was just to be a good improviser to go do shows at I.O. Right. Right. For free. I For free. So dumb. I, you know, I had, I had taken, I had started, so I, I was taking I.O. classes. After that, getting on a, a team, I decided to take a Second City class. Yeah. Right. Which I probably didn't need to, but whatever. Yeah, I was right. getting as much work over at I.O. I was like, why am I making it sure. even more busy? So I wanted, but I wanted to go through the program and right. I wanted to. Because there that. is a belief at the time that you get visibility or something yeah. being in the program. Right. So after level one, there's one and one A, right? After one A, you have to audition to get into two. And they, we basically were told in class, like, it's very hard not to pass to level two. <laughs> Right, as you're like a monkey could could pass to level two. So after our one A audition, I do it. I get reported back. I am not moving forward to a level two. I can't. I cannot advance to the level two improv class. Now at that time, I mean, I was very sad. Right, I felt yes, like a fraud. Right, I remember like crying in a bathtub. Yes, just all these awful things, and I couldn't tell anybody at IO because I assumed. Those animals I was working with at I.O., if they found out I didn't get to level two, they would kick me off the team, right? Just because that's how crazy it was. That's how crazy Chicago was at that time. Yeah. I thought if I told my friends, my legit friends, only friends yes. in town, right. I didn't make it, they would be like, well, we're no longer friends. You're no good. Yeah, you're no good. And they would arch and, and, yeah. and Al and everybody would just kick me off, which was crazy. And they no, and for the record, I mean, honestly, as far as I know, and I've heard dozens of stories, I've attended some of these uh, auditions. I can't, I can't say it's not arbitrary. I can't right. with full confidence say that it's not a completely arbitrary right. process based on many of the decisions that are made. Some that I've observed right, and, and, and questioned completely. So, so go so, on. So I don't get in, right? So I have to redo level 1A again. So now I have a decision to make ultimately, do I do it or I not do it? And I did it. You did? I ended up doing it. Did they make you pay for it again? No. Okay. I don't believe they did. So, uh... Took it, got through, finished the program, uh, never told anyone it Yeah, for like my entire time in Chicago that I didn't get. No, as I got it's older like, in Chicago. It's like failing second grade. Yeah. yeah really. You know, and it's like by the time, you know, you're in high school, nobody cares or no, anything. Right. But it- at the time, it's the world's biggest deal. Right. Because I assumed it was such. I, I mean, I just assumed I would I would have a mark on me that right, no right, one right. would ever perform with me. <laughs> and I would. So I kept it a secret for a very long time. Right, like almost until maybe I did my first ETC show, I maybe I floated it out still <laughs> felt like hesitantly, <laughs> hesitantly, where I was like, yeah, well, you know, some people don't even get level two. And then like, who? I'm like, I did. It. You know, whatever. It was just very <laughs> quietly. I didn't want anybody to know. I just thought I was so embarrassed. Right. Especially because everybody was like, a dog can get through. Yeah, you well, know? when they say it like that. Right. What what a bad way to pitch it. If you know anyone's not going to make it, right. why would you destroy them by putting it in that it's way? It's like it's so hard to not get accepted. Because, <laughs> A, they want your money, right? They want your money. They want you to continue on and just take your money. 
I was so we bad. We have so many spots. Right. I was so bad. They they couldn't do it. I don't know. And I, I was already on a team at I.O. Yeah. I was already working and doing oh, and going through all these things that I have. But so, they were like, get out of here. But sometimes, I mean, I can't, again, I can't, I can't speak to that specific decision, but I can say many other decisions were made with no concern for the actual right. empirical evidence in front of them. Right. Well, it also gave me a kind of spiteful towards Second City, well, right? and, and I was very angry at them. And, and we've, again, that's one of the great things about not getting a, one of your first or second or third or fourth auditions for a tour co, is you right. either develop that fuck you or, because I think with all of us, especially people who end up working at Second City, there's a bit of a rebellious kind of thing right. that you almost need a little of that fuck you right. to then... And you can describe it as that or or I don't give a f- shit or whatever right. it is, but that's almost always the point that you end up getting hired. Well, of course, I think I maybe three auditions right. or four auditions. Because, of course, always it's like, well, this is my last one. I'm not yes. doing it again. And that's when that's you get the That's the one job. you get in. Yeah, so let's get into the Second City okay. thing. And, again, this is all about the year, so the yeah. improv stuff is all part of right. all of it. But as I look at it here, so you did do five shows on the ETC. Mm-hmm. And what's... As or more interesting is it was for four different directors. Right. So we'll, I'll just, you know, you did Disposable Nation with Jim Carlson and then Pratt Fall of Civilization with Mark Warzetka and then Campaign Supernova or mm-hmm. How to Lose an Election. How many Democrats did it take? How many Democrats, yep. which is kind of, I think, a Matt Hovde directed yep. ode to who, uh, who is the guy who directed a ton of ETCs and always had an or. Oh, I, it's yeah. It's, it was it was one, one of those, those old yeah. directors. Uh, oh, nobody calls it that. Everybody calls it campaign. Yeah, or Supernova but but or uh, in the Ron West era right. of ETC shows, Dexter Dexter. No, not Dexter Bullard. Yeah, I another to, guy I, like that. I almost said Dexter Manley. All when of, you said Dexter. Dexter like, Manley, Manley who who graduated college and great. was illiterate. <laughs> yeah, he great. But he played football. Uh, anyway, all the shows in yeah. the like eighties had the or. Then you have Brother, Can You Spare Some Change? Mm-hmm. Bruce Peary. Yeah. Studs Terkel is not working, which is really the most Chicago, because yeah. if you don't know, Studs Terkel was an author who wrote a book called Working, yeah. which is about Chicago. Yeah. He also wrote a book called Division Street, which right. is also about Chicago. Uh, so let's the ETC time. Yeah. Well, also you toured. Toured for two years. T- toured for two years in Redco. Yeah. And then at, at, yeah, and then at that time... Uh, uh, a spot opened up in Vegas. Vegas. In Vegas. So, uh, Carl's, so the deal was with Second City, they had asked me if I was interested in going to Vegas. And that they were only doing an improv show in Vegas. And that's all they were doing. Not a, a written show. They had done a written show prior. They had. And then it stopped. And the previous cast was just doing improv, short form, some long form. But that's all they were doing. And they were getting paid for it. So you would have thought I would have said yes to it. But I didn't. And this is again that Chicago poll. Go ahead. Why? I, I said, I, I said, why would I want to go to Las Vegas to do improv when there's better improv happening here, right? And I'll just stay here and do this. But but for some reason I didn't click the money, so I I never. But it, that's the drug, clicked. right? It's the drug. So I said, I I don't know, guys. I I'm touring. I'm getting paid. Uh, I'm also doing better shows here. I don't need. To, I don't know what I'm going to live in Vegas. I don't. Right. Right. I, right. Like it's going to be bad. But they said, we'll make you this deal. And they offered me this deal. And the deal was move out there, live in their housing, which they lived right off the strip yep. I can, at Coval and Flamingo. Yep. And stay out there for a few months. And we promise you we'll write a show. But if we don't write a show after a couple months, three months, also we'll pay for your housing. And if, but if we don't write a show, then you can come back and you can have 
you can start touring again if you want. And I said, okay, that sounds good. Sure, that seems you don't like a good lose deal. any, and and that's really the thing that that <clears throat> that's the fear that we that mm-hmm. the drug of improv and doing all those free shows puts into you that if you leave, right, you'll lose your spot. Well, in a shitty line, kind of, of doing free shows and tour coast shows, but it's kind of what you really enjoy at the time, so you don't want to yeah. give it up. Well, and also, you know, as you know, and most people uh, I'm sure you talk to, you know, like, so you, you tour for a year or two, and then at the, those two years, you know, you have to kind of start thinking, whether it's a year or two years, what am I doing next? Is Second City going to be hiring? People start leaving the main stage in ETC. Your slots open up. You're like, they need a dumb, Who are, yeah. tall, white guy. Buddy, I know a dumb, tall, white guy that can fit in there. I mean, there's, there's, there's the, there's the angry guy. There's the tall guy. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes it's the same guy. Sure, Kevin it, Dorf. Back it all. There you go. go. They there can be go. the same guy. But, but all sometimes talented. they spread out into different things. So you know, if you leave, if you go to Vegas, that that not that they'll forget you. Another tall guy might move to town easily. Or, or there's a, there's a bunch of tall white dudes in Chicago, and they can come right in. Right, so so you're like, I don't know. Here comes Gus Richter. Oh, uh, he's coming in. <laughs> Gus is coming in. Uh, you're gonna get uh, one of the dwarfs are back. There's like a bunch of dwarfs, so you never know. So you you talk yourself into this is a bad idea, even though what's probably a good idea is just going to take some money and doing an taking improv, a job, taking a job in Vegas and eating and living for free. But whatever. So you but you you're dumb and you don't know any different. Absolutely. So I I say yes to this plan. By the way, they did say if you start writing a show. You have to pay for your rent. I was like, okay, fine. I thought that was <laughs> and, you're, weird. and you're like, Listen, hope we don't. I mean, I, well, then I don't know what's sales. So we moved to Vegas, and after about a month or so, Carlson, who was my red co director, came out, and we did do a scripted show. We wrote a scripted show that was like, you know, 45 minutes, 40 minutes. It was like a one act. It right. was great. It was easy. It was so easy. We closed the show with a bit. From like the Sudeikis, Kay Cannon, that great cast, yep. and Joe they Kelly. wrote a bunch of uh, initially Vegas material when yeah. Second City moved out there. That was probably very Vegas centric. Yeah, and I think they were called like the Prime Time 1999 All You Can Eat Rib Players or something like that was right. the name of the show, which is pretty funny. Seamus was in there. Yeah, great cast, and they had a, sh- a closer with like water guns and like uh, the like the Bellagio. Yep, we, the water, the yeah, fountain, the fountain. We closed our written show with that sketch right because it was a fucking killer yeah. probably the biggest killer sketch i have ever been a part of really night in night out even if the crowd was over that that bellagio water sketch everyone in that vegas room knows the bellagio yes the water show so they were like it was koosh, koosh, yeah. i mean so we closed our show <laughs> yeah. with it, it with was, the lowest tech version of the bellagio fountain you could do and it, it destroyed it just destroyed it so we did so we did write a show there and I ran that show for like two weeks, three weeks. When Carlson was leaving, when he left Vegas, he was going back to direct Redco or direct uh, the, the ETC. The ETC. And at that time, as you know, breaks again would have it, Ithamar was going to the main stage. And Rebecca Allen decided she had done enough shows, one or two. And so she was done. So then, like t- three weeks later, after we opened our Vegas show, we get a call from Second City, ABD, ABD, Amanda Blake Davis and I, who are living together in, in, in Vegas, get a call from Robin Hammond and said, you know, we want, and Carlson and Mick. Had just written a show with you with Carlson. Right. And want, and, and that happens a lot in Second City, right? The director worked with you in some way. It happens a lot in Hollywood. It happens a lot everywhere. 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 Absolutely. It's all about who you know. So the break is Carlson's directing ETC. He brings me and ABD back to Chicago for that first ETC show. And again, that, that we are 
because Ithamar got hired right. to do his first show, which was at the same time as mine. So mm-hmm. we are exact contemporary, right. like the timeline fits up. So at that, so then at that time, you know, when, so that starts on Disposable Nation starts, but the, the previous ETC show, and I think the main stage show, the Second City had, had run those shows into the ground yes. as in like for a year. Yes. Like when I got into the ETC show, all that cast, which was Janice, uh, Fendrich, Margolis, Lindgren, like they were tired. Yeah. And they were tired of doing the same shit. Which they had done for probably 10 months, months at that. Yeah. No, oh, 13, was it more? It was long. It was almost over a year. And again, just to, to, to point out something we talk about now, if you run a show more than 12 months, you have to pay the cast another mm. show writing fee. Oh, I didn't know that. If it goes past uh, 12 months. Yeah, there you go. There so, go. So they were tired. Not right? then though. Yeah, not then. So they were very tired. So- uh, we ran dispose so that so that's how disposable. Sorry, okay, from there, and and you're right. The main stage has also run for a while, and they were kind of tired of that show also. Yep. And, but but that is but that thing is but that that length of time is important because Second City, especially on my time on the ETC, started shortening, which is why you see five shows. It yes, started shortening the amount. Yes, of- and again, the first couple shows. Then I maybe your last show ran longer. It, they got into some things contractually where right. they had to run it shorter because if they right. ran it that long, they'd run into things like that. Mm-hmm. And they and they were trying to turn over because they were getting good audiences. Right. They were trying to offer them something new. And that's, again, why they would stagger the openings and stuff. Right. So, and again, out of every four or five shows, there's probably one where nobody really wants to run it for very long. Right. And for so sure. you move on. And I love that show, you know, that because that, I was... Fendrich is in it, and I had started taking class with Fendrich, so it's yeah, all a dream. You I, kind of Janice. had two core casts yep. uh, where, in, in the same way that Frank Cayetti and Bluco had Matt, Craig, and I, and then we both quit the same time, and you had Ithamar and Brian Short all right, for right. an equal amount of time. Right. And so you had the cast with Rob and everything, and then it kind of turned over into the cast, I think around Campaign Supernova right. with Hovde, yep. uh, where... Who, well, what was the well, cast? That, that, one? Ca- that one. So that so Janice Fenderich and I were that were disposable and Prattfall, right? And then people left and went away. And then ABD and I stayed. Uh, and those shows were moving over quicker. Yep. For Campaign Supernova, which then came in a whole new group. ABD and I stayed, which was Flanagan and Mason. Yep. And then Grano, and uh, was it Laura? Laura Gray. Laura Gray. Laura Gray. And so, so again, you have four new people into the cast right. there. And then Grano only did one show. And then she only did one. Yes. Uh, but campaign ran campaign ran even shorter because that show ran for like three months, four months. Well, it was a very campaign. It was a, a it was like an Obama Hillary yes. show. That was that show. Right. And so it, it wasn't it wasn't destined to run very long. I think when we wrote it, they were like, This is not gonna run very long. Was that after the Obama show we did on Maine? N- yeah, it was after because Obama that Obama show ran for such a long I always actually think that is one of the main reasons. That Obama show ran for so long and you guys were so That's just, the show that ended up getting us a second uh payment. Uh, show payment. It uh, ran for so long, you guys were so probably tired of running that shit. Yeah. They started moving so ETC, why the main stage was holding that one show for so long. Yep. The ETC started running quicker. Yes. Because, and yeah, that you're is right. Why. They wanted to run that show. And let me just say Yes, it was a, a good show. It, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it was my, I, it was not my favorite show. I don't think, but it was a good show. It was a good show, but it had a great title. It did between Barack and a hard place. Great, and title. it just hit at the right time. Yeah, and honest to God, like a title helps when it's when it's when it hits. Yeah, and when it's not, it doesn't. 
there are some titles that don't work as well. And so while you guys were over there kind of running these same bits for a year, year right. and a half, whatever it was, ETC was starting because we had to. And right? there was other stuff going on in the world, right. too, that Second City wants to, yet they still want to milk this Obama show. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, you ran a bunch of shows in that time. Now, just, again, we could go into each show sure. and all the differences, but I, I want to know, like, the, and if you count Mick, you had five different directors yeah that's that i'm gonna look into the books on yeah. on records for that too because often they'll run the same director two three shows in a row so right. you'll never have an opportunity like that right what what do you think was the value in all that and you did two with hovdy yeah so you got the opportunity i did a second show with hovdy as well and i felt like i did really well in it because i knew exactly what the process was like going in right he's, he's got a very specific yeah. way yeah uh, but what are your observations well, was, on that? I was in Hovdy's first show, right? Yeah. And the good thing about that is that Mason and Flanagan were had worked with Mason worked with him in Denver, and Flanagan had worked with him in their, their old, touring company, yeah, and also their old sketch group. They used to have oh, that's like, right, an old sketch group. They yes, used to do. what were they called? It was like there a, was one other guy like in that group too. Nerdy name. Of yes, some sort. they were the scientific nerds. Yeah, Tom would. I wish he'll he'll tell he'll listen. He'll, he'll, he'll text let us me know. And he'll yell at me. But so. Those guys are also very different than me. Like those guys are smart and cerebral, and like that's They're how they move. They're scientific nerds. Yeah, I tend to move not that way. I'm like, you're giving what is this? this is a book reference? You're Herman it's, Moore. That's not going to help. Just throw the ball up there. Get it. I'll catch it. Right? Like don't you're not. Don't try to lead me into a yeah. science joke. All right, guys, it's not, not going to work. So uh, I got that. That gave me some flexibility. But you know, each one was different. I will say the one I probably regret the most not giving. I wish I would have worked a little harder with was uh, Warzeka because Warzeka was using an old school kind of Detroit, like let's improvise. And we had just come off disposable, which had some success and it was mostly written. Yeah. And it was very few of it was. And you had a lot of carryover in your cast. So the completely complete. It was the same. And I think we were all a little, maybe not more hesitant, but I think, and I know at least for me, I was like, I want to write something. Sure. And then improvise inside of it. And Mark was more like, just let's go improvise. Yep. I, if you gave me that option now, uh -huh. I'd be like, let's go improvise. Right, right. but uh, you but never, time, you don't know what you don't know at the time. Right. And I think for everyone, especially if you have a full cast going into a second show, very rare. And I think there probably is a feeling of, we have control of this thing here. Right. I want to shape it the way, right. you know, I did it once here. I recognize some mistakes from that show right. or things I want to change. For sure. And so you're a little bit more into your convictions right. on something like that. And, you know, the other one is the fourth show, the Bruce Peary Bruce show. Bruce Peary, which is, I want to know, because that's a Toronto-type yes. experience, which is a little sillier, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if you remember. You were there, but do you remember what happened at that time with that show? It, it, was there some fixing at the end? One day. I mean, all right, so when that show started, you know, the always the rumor about Toronto directors, and I, I don't know who started this, but it was... You're gonna go to the movies. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna rehearse for like an hour, and then you're gonna take off. It's and team building exercise, right? And I'm, me, I'm like, that sounds fun, right? This is my fourth show. I'm like, we'll figure well, it right. out. Yeah, at that point, we'll you figure well, it well out. And by your fourth show, you're like, yeah, I'll go and improvise the show, and yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But a, a lot of that cast was newer, and a lot of that cast didn't want it work that way, and right. it, it was, and also Bruce. 
It was there was just there was friction. It was the in first time there had been a Toronto director in Chicago in a long time. Yeah, and there was friction in those rehearsals. And I liked Bruce, and Bruce and I are friends, still friends. Sure. I, you know, and like, but one day towards the end, and I would say there's like a month left before the show is supposed to, supposed open, to open. I got an email. We all got an email or a, a voicemail that said Bruce got on a plane and left town. He said the show's done, and it was over. He was he was just done with the show. He left. He was like, that's good. I'm done. And he took off. And he left He left Chicago and went back to Canada. Uh, did he ever work with Dell? Because that sounds so much like something Dell would do. But yeah. then that they already knew they'd have to bring Bernie in to fix the show after right. Dell did that. Well, our fixer was Mick. Right. And so Mick came in. And then Mick worked with us to, you know, Mick started going through all of Mick's things, right? Yes. We're doing, you know, like he's changing the running order. And, and I got to think Mick is very different from Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce was very chill about yep. it. And you know, Bruce, he, he had a hard time. Like his, his notes probably were like, be funnier. And, and that, that's a hard note for anyone to hear. And it's, and I think not everybody enjoyed those notes. No, because I think you can find other ways to say it yeah, that yeah. will push the person towards yeah. funnier in a way that is also more Helpful. Right, right. Or it's like a scene wasn't working. He's like, I don't know, it's not very funny. And I mean, like, he sound, okay. it's so weird because all of this to me is sounding like Dell. Right. <laughs> Although Dell would give you more notes and just be fu- Actually, Dell would never tell somebody to be funny, come to think of it. Right. Uh, but but it, it is kind of a hands-off approach, it sounds like. Yeah. So, yes. And so I, I, people were struggling a little bit with that, for sure. So basically what had happened is... I, but I, I will say I wasn't as struggling as much. I, I was, as it says in the paper, fourth show, very calm. I was like, yeah, whatever. Mick came in, you know, and then he does his thing. That's right. But, and, and but Mick's about to direct the 50th, right? He's he's on yes. the verge. This is the fourth show. So everybody knows the 50th is coming up. He, he is, He's already been – he was booked two years ahead for that show. Yes, and so this is, this is the first time Mick and I have worked together at Second City right. in any sort of matter. You knew each other, I'm sure, from the parties and the annoyance and everywhere, yeah. And so you got to finish that show out with him. Yeah, yeah. Unbeknownst to you that that going into it, that that is funny how that happened. You you brought the memory. It's probably obviously much stronger for you than it is for me, but I, I do remember that now, and boy, how odd that is. Yeah. And that's not the only time, again, Dell probably did that two or three times in shows for whatever various reasons right. he had. And there's been a couple other. There was the 9-11 situation right. where Richmond had to leave the day before they were opening. And there were a couple other incidents where the director didn't. I think they had a clown director who came in right. from Canada. Right, right. Didn't last. But I was, it, was, it was weird. I mean, yes. I, it's not like those guys, all, the whole cast was wrong. We were just like, can we get some notes? You know, like the running orders were never quite ready. And then as it got closer to opening, everything got built up more and more and more and more. Well, and I think you might agree with this. Canada has a reputation for being a little more passive aggressive. Right. Not Second City Canada. I just think Canada in general has that. And I do think there's a less confrontational kind of way of communicating amongst Canadians generally. Sure. And that's not always the way, especially in Chicago, with a cast of comedians who've been right. there for a while. So there's a little disconnect there. Also, too, that cast was a little older, right? And, yeah. And, and so people were a little more self-assured and just was like, let's fucking go. It's and not, yes, struggle, you're right. Part was struggling. Yes, they had their own ideas that, that he wasn't necessarily falling into. So that that's why that show doesn't run very long. Yeah. That show also runs for about three months, four months, because wow. when that show opened, the cast was like, no. Yeah. We don't want to do the show anymore. And and right? and, and, and 
and Second City doesn't want them doing that show if that's right. how the cast feels. And the show was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was in the middle. It was like a middle Second City show. You get caught, yeah. And everybody was like, "We don't want to fucking do this anymore." So then, from there, you start another process with Hovdi again. Quickly, yeah. By the way, it, I mean, I think we finished writing that show. Three months, ran it, started writing that show. Well, the good thing is, show. at that point, people are getting paid to write the shows, so right. you're right. Second City, and again, that just shows how much, well they sold for fifty million, so they had the money. Uh, and now, so and then you did the other show with Hovdi, which yeah. again, I'm guessing you're thinking, all right, you may have thought if that if that fourth show ran nine months, maybe that's it, right? But you're suddenly into another show, and again, if it's a show that's kind of middling and you've got an opportunity in three months, why are you not going to do that show? Right, right. And so, and I was like, this will be the last one, right, right? for me. The Studs is going to be the last one. Yep. We'll finish it. It's going to be a Chicago show. Yep. I remember Joyce didn't really like the title, mainly because she was, like, friends with Studs Turkle, and she was like, I, I, I don't Studs want people to wouldn't say, have liked that. Yeah, I think she didn't enjoy that very much. <laughs> but I think we finally talked her into it. She's like, okay, fine, whatever. It's, to me, it's better than Brother Can You Spare Some Change, which barely changes Can You Spare a Dime. Yeah, it's the it, same thing. That's how that's how what was going on at that show. The title was the least of yeah, our concerns. Yes. We were just trying to get through. Yep. Uh, uh, so, so and, and how long did you run that show before the... Month, I ran that show for a month. A month? Right. So I did, I wrote two shows in like... Five months or three shows in like five okay. months of Second City, so that's why it seems like I've written My a lot goodness. of shows. But and now I'm thinking, and then you go right again into a process. Mm-hmm. So this is the, you know, well, and Tired. and again, I would have done the exact same thing. Like as I'm describing this process again, because we're kind of parallel there. Right. I had the same thoughts about doing that show, but I had kind of decided the show before this is my last one. Right. So I make that decision and move and everything, and then I guess it like oh you know changes, prompt changes. Yeah. So you have a decision to make that you didn't think right. was going to come up necessarily. Right. Mick called and said, you know, I know you just opened that stud circle's not working, but do you want to write the fiftieth? And I, I think I was like, and there's some yeah. good fortune again there. Maybe if Bruce Peary doesn't go, he doesn't see you 100%. and work with it's so hundred again. It's it's a it nice, never happens. Probably. It's a nice illustration of yeah. these little. Backs and forth that happen that just point one hundred percent. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine I would do the fiftieth without Bruce leaving town. Ultimately, just through the things that yeah. happen, right? Because you might have already yeah. finished your Second City yeah. experience at that point very successfully after a fourth show. Yeah, and Mick would have probably been like, "I'll just do something else." Like, I like, I'm yeah. sure. Here comes somebody from the Annoyance or yeah. something, uh, who then Jeff Richmond will fire in the next cast. Yeah. Uh, but that's for another day. So uh, the fiftieth, you do. God damn. So you're you're. It's not like you've got this backlog of ideas because if you've written three shows in a year out. and a half. <laughs> We're running out. Also, uh, the same thing happened when I left Vegas. We wrote a show, wrote it for a month, and we started. You know, you so, But you're so excited. Then and you're also you in time. the process of, for those years you work at Second City, you can write sketches better than probably at other times yeah, when you're not doing it sure. as frequently. Well, and, and also, too, you know, you're. I was doing some monologue. I did a monologue in like three of the shows, right? And I did one on the main stage about, uh, like, this mobster who's giving out health insurance. Yeah. And, I, you know, I just know, I, I mean, I could feel it, too, and, and I would, could read the review. It was like, another monologue. This is what he does. And you're like, but I'm just trying to get anything <laughs> out there, you know? like. <laughs> well, and, and I think, I don't know if you would agree. To me, the, the my favorite thing in that show is the improvised piece with you and Brad. Yeah, by cops. Uh, from an audience point of view, very enjoyable. And especially from a performer point yeah. of view of like, I've done five shows. Right. I'm going to take some time. We're going to stretch buddy our up legs. Here. 25 minutes. We're going to stretch our legs. 
Craig Taylor there. must have hated you. He yeah, he would leave a lot. Yeah, he would leave. As in, he, they would, he would just walk around. Yes, you know, he could do whatever. But he, he probably wanted you to see him walking around, <laughs> so you yeah. knew. Yeah, that was a. I love that scene. That scene was long. You know, I I think I'd listened a little bit with you and Brad, and Brad's right. You and I, Brad and I, may love that scene. I'm sure the people backstage hated that scene. Absolutely. You know, they I was to. in a couple of those too. But again, yeah. when it's your last show, especially when it's your last show after you thought you did your last show. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, when we also do, we were doing something previous to that called Radio Shack, which was like, yes, was it just a scene about guys who like technology was advancing to for beyond our store. them, right? And we were just still selling Radio Shack shit. Yes, yes. And we would just improvise. Basically, we were in a mall, and we would do a lot of dip and dot jokes. So stuff that wouldn't probably wasn't going to last as long as the bike cops. No, and that and again, that's got that Chicago right. thing that a, especially an anniversary show. Works. needs to have it's also that great line mick and it's on the wall back there is like we used to have these two uh starbucks cups that they've got really nice ones and there was nothing it no nothing in them obviously and brad and i would just literally flip those like like yes they're so like lightweight yeah. one time mick he'd asked us a bunch like to you know pretend act right. really right? right like act and he asked said in a note session i i think to brad and i was like Either, and he said this a little more aggressively, he was like, either act or put something in that cup. And there was kind of silence, and I said, I'm going to put something in my cup. <laughs> and, and Mick laughed, and it was fine, but he was let, just let like so Let the cup so do mad. the work for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because you're improvisers, and if you had not had objects in your hands, you might have been doing better object right. work than actually having the empty cups. Right, well, Mick wanted to have a little red in each scene, so that's why we actually had a cup that had red on it. So that is what carried over through every scene. But I was like, this is just, this, Nick, I'm just blowing this. you need this to week. explain that a little better. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, we the party of the 50th and right. everything is great. Uh, and how long did you run that show? I, I think it opened in December, and I, I yeah, right around, and I, I left in April. So five months, so, four again, months. Again, so you were able to, you know, again, find an extra last show, yeah. do it. And then you moved out to LA after that, I think. I stayed, yeah, I stayed in did Chicago. Did you have a manager when you... Well, I, I owe it to Mick. I did, but I, I owe this to Mick because... So it's not a joke when I say I should have. <laughs> I, I, I owe this to Mick because Mick was having a manager come in and uh, after I left Second City and at the annoyance, a manager was going to come watch people. Oh. And he asked me if I wanted to audition. So actually it was through the annoyance that you got yeah. the man. Wow. Well, and well, then, fuck you, Second City. And then he and Mick and I told Mick no. I was like, I don't want to do it. I Aren't was, these... And Mick said, I, then I asked him, do you really think I should? He was like, yeah, I really think you should. So I did. That I got a manager, and then I moved to L.A. So. These are such dumb things we do. I almost didn't yeah. go to Boom Chicago yeah, when right. I got, you know, like, thank God Susan t said. Yeah. Do it. Know, she would have kicked me out of the house yeah. somewhere else probably. But, all right, last thing I want to talk about, unless there's something you, you want to hit that we haven't. No, I, I, I you know. I, I'm, I keep thinking about those shows, and I was I was lucky in those shows. Is in that list of people, like they're all truly great. And great and, people. and something that we mentioned before, I do want to yeah. mention. You worked with Nikki Lindgren, yes, good friend of mine as well. Mm -hmm. And again, how many nights did your cast and our cast yeah. go over to the hundreds of nights, literally? Yeah, Nikki Lindgren was a hero at the Ale House, yeah. because her pictures everywhere there. Sadly. Uh, just a few weeks before we taped this, uh, she passed away from cancer and yeah. she was just a wonderful, wonderful person. And it's so horrible that even yeah. us at this point are saying goodbye to people we did shows and stuff with. And 
Yeah, she, you know, she and I, obviously, we spent a lot of time together in those two years. And then, you know, lives kind of happened for a few years. And then, you know, and I guess three or four years ago when she started having the diagnosis, she was reaching out yep. and we started kind of retalking and yep. going through things. And, and, um, I, and she was great. She was out here and I'm glad I saw yep. her out here. And, and, and this ties me to one thing I remember her about that ties into you as well is we were on a football team yeah for two years uh some theater organized a football tournament touch football and uh as you probably know i'm pretty competitive and i ended up i think putting the team together i made some people very mad i asked andiel to be on the team and i did not ask molly to be on the team and (laughs) later on molly gave me a lot of shit about that but Andiel runs faster. She's uh, faster. And I was, I was, you know, I was really cutthroat in mm-hmm. putting the team together. There's a picture that's going to pop up. Yeah. But Nikki Lindgren was on this team. Mm-hmm. And we ended up separating. It was, a, honest to God, it was one of my favorite athletic experiences I've ever had. We went undefeated. Well, you were kind of like Kyler Murray. You were a very, in that league, you were very fast. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that was, I was probably closer to my, uh, certainly closer to my athletic peak than now. And we're playing theaters. Yeah. So they had some good players on the teams, but right. generally you could do a pump fake past the past the line of scrimmage, and people would go for it, yeah, not yeah. knowing. Yeah. So there was a lot of scrambling. Yep. You were Herman Moore. Yeah. We split into offense and defense, and Lindgren, Alex Fendrich was kind of the vanilla gorilla. Yeah. But Lindgren, gorilla. she was vicious. Yeah. Violent and and like no women on other teams succeeded on offense right. because she was so competitive yeah. and I remember like just like being kind of like oh my god she is like we got to get her in, a, in yeah. the league anytime well she was very you know I will say about Nikki she was smart and she was she was beautiful and very talented and funny and when people saw her on stage they were a little taken back because she was very striking right and you don't see improvisers it, who look like that often right and so exotic the, and beautiful and correct and her her thing was she was she was not afraid to um, be as ugly in comedy as possible. We I, we were talking about this recently, a couple weeks ago. I, I'll just tell the quick story about Nikki. Um, but because uh, some of the when she died, some of the, those cast got together, yes. had a, a drink, and talked about it. But she, we were talking about all the crazy scenes that she had pitched through, and this is the the most vivid one I had. And I will not. So this was maybe the first show I think. And you know, in your first, show, I think it was disposable. When your first show, you're very, um, you're willing to do about anything. Yep. Right. And so her idea was, she was like, "I'm going to do a voiceover." This was uh, in rehearsal. I'm going to do a voiceover. I'm going to be a girl in a coma. You're going to be a janitor, and you're going to come in and you're going to sexually assault me. But there's going to be, there's going to be uh, uh, a voiceover the entire time. And Carlson had a rule, of of course, which every director does. If we do it in rehearsal, we'll do it in the show. Yeah. We'll do it in the set. Sure. And, you know, I I did do it in rehearsal where I would right. kind of sexually sure, assault her in some way. And, you know, I... It's I, your idea. It was fine. I just committed to it, right? And, you know, we we did do it in the show. And it was mostly like two and a half minutes of dead silence. <laughs> but I always remember Lindgren, you know, cause at some point she's like, now when you take your dick out, this is what she was like, I want you to really like take it out aggressively and thump it, you know, like, and so I'm like on stage, like oh, God. improv and zipping my yes. pants and like taking out my dick. And, she, and first show you're like, Hey, let's, let's do it. And, and then, and, and we sexually assaulted Lindgren in a coma oh, my God. as a voiceover is like, 
What a happy day this is. She's just not. This is rainbows and pixies. I love where I'm at. You know, it's stuff like that. And the crowd is just, it's like three minutes of oh silence. Oh, my God. It's pretty great. But, that, I mean, again, and that's 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 part of the process. And that's, yeah. you know, going to those places. And God bless it. Uh, well, she will be missed. Uh, I will miss this talk, but I can go back and listen to it. And so can you listeners over and over. Thank you, Andy, for being with us. Uh, any last thoughts on Second City and your times there? And no, I um, I will say. Uh, did did I ever tell you that I, I on one of the taping nights I fell off the stage at Second no. City? No. Yeah, yeah. I, they always tape on like the first night, the or opening couple, or second night, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. It's in the if you go back on Campaign Supernova, I fall off the stage in one of for eternity. Uh, by the way, that's nice because they, what's, they, there's mm-hmm. one copy of each show yeah. pretty much that they shoot, and you get one shot at it, yep. and whatever fucks up doesn't matter. So, yep. and I, I me falling right off the stage in the middle of that show. Well, then, so that's it, folks. We got to look for this. Eventually, this podcast is going to become so big, we're going to buy the archives from Second yeah. City and release that as part of this. I, right. I, I will say, Joe, Second City was, you know, people do say all the time, like, have fun and all that stuff. It really was the best. I, I enjoyed it. Um, all those, the the stuff we got to do and all the friends and everybody. That, it's it's working at Second City as a fraternity. And yeah. it, it, it does grow and grow and grow, obviously, because more people join the fraternity. Yeah. But it's still a very small fraternity. It is very small. True. And uh, it's great to be a part of it yeah. and with you. Obviously, you loved it. You did all them damn shows, man. I'm you don't... Moving, moving quickly, guys. Yeah. That's true. There's not. There's something to that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Andy, and uh, we'll be back some uh, next week or whenever you end up listening, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Second Citizens. I'm your host, Joe Canale, asking you nicely to follow us on Twitter at Second Citizens or on Instagram at Second Citizens Pod. Also, since you're listening. Why don't you give us a five-star rating and any kind of review that you like, good or bad, as long as that rating is five-star. And if it's a funny enough review, maybe I'll even read it in an episode. I don't fear insults.